The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. I've come this morning with a word of encouragement. I've come to tell you that when you're in that place, when you're in that spot, when nothing seems to be working, you need to hold fast. You need to put your feet on the rock and declare, I will not be moved. You need to determine that God's will is still the authority in and over your life. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I'm going to pursue him. You remember the text from last week from Exodus chapter 6. Moses said, rescue? Does this look like rescue to you, God? And he was talking about the fact that since they had first confronted Pharaoh, things only became worse for the Hebrews. The oppression was greater. The slavery was more harsh. The taskmaster's more demanding. Things only got worse. Sometimes things do get worse before they get better. And that moves us to chapter 7, verse 1, where God says this to Moses. He says it very clearly to him in verse 1. Look at me. I'll make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. When I read that, that statement and that scripture, it helps me to remember that God does unbelievable things with very average people. God does unbelievable things with those many of us would pass over. Matter of fact, when you look at that word make, translated make, from the Hebrew, it literally means appointed or assigned. I have appointed you, I have assigned you to be as a God over Pharaoh. In other words, the power that's in you that comes from me will be greater than anything the Pharaoh has ever seen before. Now, I don't know about you, but I sincerely believe that we are living in a culture. We're living at a day and a time when our world needs to see the power of a living God. Our world needs to understand there is a greater one. Our world needs to know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess him as Lord and Savior. Listen to me, folks. The only answer for our society is Jesus Christ. The only answer is for the power of God to be made great in the people of God. There is no other way. You and I have got to stand in the place where we can say, God, speak through us. God, flow through us. God, display your power, your grace, your mercy through average men and women just like you and me. We understand Moses was just that, just an average guy. He had fought this assignment. He had fought this appointment, but God had brought him to the place where finally he surrendered and said, if it's your will, I'll go back to Egypt. I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'll surrender to you. And when I look at the life of Moses, I realize that most of us wouldn't consider him a great champion, a great winner. Because for 40 years, he had lived at the backside of the desert. For 40 years, he had tended sheep. For 40 years, he had avoided the call of God on his life. For 40 years, he lived a subpar existence. But in that place, God reached out to him and brought him back to where he could use him one more time. As Americans, we really have a problem with people that we consider to be subpar. You know, George Patton, the great general of World War II, said it this way, America loves a winner. America will never tolerate a loser. That's kind of the philosophy of our society, isn't it? You can read it from Coach Vince Lombardi. Everybody knows Vince Lombardi, right? 
Sure, the coach of uh, Green Bay Packers. He said, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. That's the attitude of our society. But can I tell you today, God uses broken people. God uses broken people. It's interesting when we recognize that, that it's the unlikely he chooses to use to show his power. He prefers people who know their weaknesses, who can see their own flaws in the mirror every single morning, who can admit to it and then cry out to him for help. Oh, I've got news for you. God specializes in taking losers just like Moses. Losers just like Moses and displaying his power through them. Somebody said, well, why does God choose to use losers? Well, put it on the screen because that's all he has to work with. That's it. That's all he has to work with. Humanity has fallen. You understand that, right? We understand the talent pool when it comes to moral perfection is very, very, very thin. So God chooses to use people just like you and me. It's an amazing thing to me. You know, I had this outline, and you have it on your uh, CHC today, all ready to go on Thursday. And I thought, man, this is going to be a great and a powerful message. And yesterday evening, God began talking to me about, I just want you to deal with the first point, that God uses people. And I'm thinking, well, thanks. I did all this work only to get one point. It's amazing when God kind of messes up your plan, isn't it? But I believe this morning the word that I have is for many of you sitting in this room. You have allowed yourself to be passed over. You've taken yourself out of the race. You've been disqualified from the spiritual fight. And I've come to tell you this morning, God loves a loser. He loves people who say, I messed it up. I blew it. Because that's the person his redemption shines the strongest through. So we need to understand that if God only chose well-rounded people, people who add it all together, invariably... The credit would go to them, but he does it so that he gets all the glory. He uses people with a bad past, a shaky present, an uncertain future, so he can get all the glory. That's why he chose Moses. That's why his hand rested upon this individual. Matter of fact, I want you to think about it with the scripture from me. When you look at the men and the women through scripture that God chose to use, Abraham was a liar. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was an abused child. Job went bankrupt. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was a coward. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman divorced not once but five times. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was just a kid and way too young. Jacob was a thief. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Jonah ran for God. Peter denied Christ three times. Paul killed Christians. That's the heritage. But when you look at that list, you realize that somehow in this whole thing we call redemption, God takes our broken mess and he puts it back together and he gives us an opportunity for the light of Jesus Christ to begin shining in us and through us so that we can stand as trophies of his grace and of his mercy. Somebody ought to shout amen. Surely I'm not the only broken person in this place. But I'm here to tell you, when you surrender your brokenness to a mighty God, he is able to take that, according to Jeremiah 18.4, he's able to take that vessel that the potter said wasn't usable and remake it into something that pleases the potter. Do you understand that analogy? He'll take your mess. 
He'll put you back on the potter's wheel. He'll add some more water. He'll do away with the cracks and the breaks and the ugliness. And what he turns out is a vessel of perfection through the blood of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Oh, somebody ought to be excited in this house this morning. There is hope because God uses broken people. God said to Moses, I'm going to make you as a God to Pharaoh. He's going to see in you my power being displayed. It's amazing what happens when God chooses to use ordinary people. Last Sunday, I told you the story of Paige. You remember that story? The young lady who started Facebooking me at 930 on Saturday night. You remember the story, right? If you weren't here, you got to buy the DVD, the tape, or go to CHC today to watch it because I'm not retelling the whole story. A young lady who was afraid of everything, afraid of God, refused to go to church. I said to her, why don't you at least watch watch our live streaming? She did. And then on Monday, and you remember, we talked about it, we discussed it, and we prayed for her last Sunday morning. I got this message from her on Monday. She said, I'm so glad I know I'm not alone in this. I have so many people that are fighting with me and walking this path with me. And even though it's hard as heck, I'm kind of excited to know what the end is going to be like. Thank you for being here for me, fighting with me, praying with me. And you have no idea how much that means to me. Tell your church, I love you all very much. Come on, folks. That's what it's about. When God's grace takes a broken person a thousand miles away and uses the wonder of the internet to speak into their heart and to bring hope into their life and turn them around. That's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about a God who says, I'll show my power in your life. I'll prove myself to you. It'll cause the greatest God in the world to fall before me. Pharaoh has no power that is equal to mine because I've chosen to use a broken vessel. I've chosen to use somebody the world passed over. I've chosen to use a man that took himself out of the fight. I've chosen to use a man who is disqualified on every front, to bring my people back into deliverance. Can I tell you, God has a habit of showing up in the midst of your trouble. If you will learn to see it, become sensitive to him, if you will learn to recognize that God is ever-present, he never leaves you, he never forsakes you, then when the world begins to fall in, you can stand up and say, my God is fighting for me, my God is with me, my God is on my side, and it doesn't matter who or what is opposing me, I will be victorious, because God is working in me and for me. See, where the world sees failure, you need to write this down, and I know it's not in your notes, so thankfully there's two inserts you can write on the back of those, all right? You need to write this down. Where the world sees failure, God sees future. Why? Because God understands in order for me to you to be used of him, he first has to break us. We have to get rid of the pride that stands in the way of him moving in us and through us. Where the world sees failure, God always sees future. Remember this, God doesn't recruit from the pedestal, he recruits from the pit. He recruits from the pit. God tends to help us understand it's not me, but it's him in me that's the hope of glory. 
It's him in me that's the power of eternity. It's him in me that gives me the courage and the strength to get up every day and to move on. It's not me. I can't do it. But the God in me can do anything. The God in me is greater than any force, any power, any opposition, any voice, human or demonic. The God in me stands against and says, my God is more than able. Get that in your spirit this morning. You need to understand, and I love the way Lester Summerall said it years ago. He said, don't let the devil talk you out of your calling when Jesus qualified you by redeeming you. So I'm coming right to where some of you live this morning. You said, I tried, I failed, I messed up, I can't do it again. Oh, let me tell you, I'm looking for a church folks full of folks who will say, I was broken, but I've been renewed. He put me back on the wheel. He made me like new again. I brought my mess to him, and he's turned me into a living testimony of grace and mercy and love and power. Look what the Lord has done. Oh, give me a church full of those folks. I don't need those high, holy, pious people who think they're more righteous than everybody else in the world. I want broken folks. I want people who understand, if not, but for the grace of God. I want people who get a hold of the fact it's only because of him and it's not because of me. I want people who will get it down in their spirit and down in their soul. I was a drunkard. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. But I no longer am. I've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, somebody help me this morning. We had a church of that kind of folks. Listen. We had a church of those kind of folks. We'd turn the Tallahassee upside down. We'd turn the world upside down. Because something happens in you when you come to the point that you recognize God is fighting for me. It's not me. God is fighting for me. I can't do this. God is fighting for me. I'm not able. God is fighting for me. He said to Moses, I will make you as God to Pharaoh. I'm going to flow my power through your life. Everybody around is going to know and understand there is one true and living God. You see, even then, it wasn't about Moses. It was about God in Moses. Here at church, it's about the Lord moving in and through your life. Look in the New Testament. Jesus didn't call the popular. Jesus didn't call the rich and the famous. He called the broken. He called the poor. He called the outcast. He called the demonic. And then he sent them to be an emissary, a vessel of his love and of his grace and of his power. So if you ever feel like you're not good enough, and some of you in this room are feeling that way right now, you need to remember God loves flawed people. God loves crackpots. God loves those of us who say, it isn't me, it's him in me because I can't do this. I know who I was. I know what I fight with every day. But the power of God is greater and mightier. And because of him, old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm going to get it into your spirit. It's to a flawed world we've been called to minister. And we can't minister to a flawed world from the pretense of perfection. See, it's time to drop the pretense, to lay down the masks. We've been taught all of our lives. When we come to church, we get up, we take a bath, we shave. You ladies do your hair and put on makeup, we pray. And uh, wear your best clothes, right? Wear your best clothes, come to church. That all develops an atmosphere of pretense. We've got to be real, folks. 
In order for the guy that's hurting to connect with me and the Jesus in me, he needs to know I'm as real as he is and I've walked where he's walked. Come on, we've got to be real. We've got to be real so they can see Jesus in us. We've got to help people understand it's not me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. It's the power of God at work in us and through us that makes us successful in this life today. 2 Corinthians 13, 4, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For also weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards us. How do we do this? It's through the power of God in us. Just like Moses of old. Oh God, flow through us so that they see you and not me. I'll make you as a God before Pharaoh. He's going to see me through you. That's what he's saying in that passage of Scripture. He's going to see that broken vessel, that cracked pot, the one that everybody passed over, the one who disqualified himself and went as far as he could go to get out of the way, who 40 years later, I showed up and said, Moses, it's your day and it's your time. I've come to tell somebody here today, God has showed up in this room to tell you it's your day. It's your time. It's time to step up and stand up and be filled with the power of a living God. Be energized, be anointed, be filled with the Holy Ghost and go and do something mighty for him. Let him make you as God in your society. Let the presence of God flow through your life. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, because it's in that place of suffering, that place of the crucible, that we begin to understand how little we really amount to and how much he is in us. It's in that place of pressure that His grace and His glory begin to shine in and through our lives. He went on to say in Ephesians 6, 16, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then we can turn to Romans 8, 31 through 39. The Apostle Paul begins to tell us we have nothing to fear. Matter of fact, he says it this way, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, you think everybody's aligned against you? I'm here to tell you, if you're on God's side and God's on your side, there is no force, no power, no emissary that can stand against the God in you. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on to tell us why. Because he didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up so that we could be redeemed. Verse 33 said, who shall charge anything against God's elect? Jesus Christ has already paid the price. And then in verse 34, it says, who is he that's going to condemn one of my children? And he goes on to say, it's Christ who died and has risen and is right now making intercession for us at the right hand of God. So you just try to charge one of my elect. You just try to condemn one of my elect. I got news for you. The son of the living God is going to stand up at the right hand of the father. And he's going to say to that spirit, he's going to say to that demon, you got to go because that one's mine. That one's mine. He's blood bought and you're not going to touch him. You're not going to touch her. Verse 35, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a great way of saying what power is great enough to move you from your appointment, to move you from your assignment. There is no power that has the ability to do that. And then he says it this way. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
What will separate us from the love of Christ? And I love the way he wraps it up in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. Will you say that with me? We are more than conquerors. Come on, one more time. Get it in your spirit. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. What's going to separate me from the love of God? Will it be tribulation? Will it be distress? Will it be persecution? Will it be famine? Will it be nakedness? Will it be peril? Will it be a sword? No. In all these things, we are, come on, say it again, more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I don't know why, but God chooses to use broken people to reveal his grace and his glory. He laid his hand on Moses and said, you're the one. This is your assignment. And 80 years after his birth and his miraculous salvation at birth, God says, I'm going to make you as a God to Pharaoh. This is your appointment. This is your assignment. This is why you were born to become that force in this particular people and at this particular time. God uses broken people. He can take any one of us. He can take our wounds and heal them. He can restore us. He redeems us. Whatever we need, he is able to provide. That's why I wanted you to hear it this morning, not once, but several times. All things are possible. All things are possible. Here's the rub. A lot of times we're ashamed of our brokenness. A lot of times we don't want to talk about what we carry around in terms of our mess. A lot of times we want to keep it buried and we want to put on that mask that I'm perfect. Everything's okay. I got it all together. We wear it so well that the people sitting beside us don't even know what we're going through and what we're enduring. When it's time to lay down the mask, to let the brokenness show so that Jesus can shine in it and through it. Can I tell you, when you're trying to be perfect and all together, there's no room for God to move in you. But if you'll stand up and say, I need some help, and this is why I need some help, then your redemption draweth nigh. He's there to minister to you. He's there to help you. Never be ashamed of your scars. Never be ashamed of your scars. Because your scars prove that you were stronger than whatever, whoever came against you. Never be ashamed of your scars. I can't be used of God because. God doesn't want me because. And then we start listing off all the failures and all the faults. Can I tell you, when you come to Jesus Christ... The word says it so clearly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But not just forgive us, it goes on to say to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness associated with that sin. Oh, come on, somebody. There is no disqualification when you know a redeeming God. Now, man will try to do that. Man will try to do it all the time. But you need to understand there will be people who try to fight against the assignment that's in your life because somehow you don't measure up to their standard. But the standard of God has only one prerequisite, and that's that your blood washed. You came through the name of Jesus Christ. He's able to take you and deliver you and put your feet upon the solid rock. I love the way the psalmist said it. He left me out of the miry clay and he put my feet upon the rock to stay. Amen. We need to understand that. Matter of fact, I got to be honest with you. 
I don't trust anyone that doesn't have some scars. I don't. I may like you. I might even love you. But if you think I'm going to give you a sharp sword and say, watch my back, you got another thing coming. Because if you haven't been in the fight, if you haven't been nicked, if you haven't been wounded, if you don't have some scars, you're not going to watch my back. I want somebody back there who understands sometimes it's root hog or die. Sometimes it's a fight to the death. And I need to know there's someone back there who's got it when I'm facing what's out here. Come on, be the kind of person who's not ashamed of your scars. Be the kind of person who will say, yes, I did mess up, but God's forgiven me. God's redeemed me. God has put me under the blood. He has redeemed me and washed me. And I got news for you. I got some scars, but those scars proved to you I was stronger than what came against me. Stronger than what came against me. Never be ashamed of your scars. The Bible's full of broken people. People who God somehow took their mess and made them a great ambassador of Jesus Christ. I've got to watch. The problem is I don't like to look at it. And I'm almost out of time, so I'm going to go and fast forward right quickly. We need to understand that when you look through the Scripture, again and again and again, the Bible tells us of people who didn't measure up. But yet somehow in their failure... God chose to put them back together and use them. That's the story of Moses. It's the story of how God uses broken people to accomplish his purposes, to accomplish his presence and his power flowing through their lives. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Put it on the screen for me. He said, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. Did his best to get me down. When in fact, all he did was push me to my knees. Oh, come on, someone needs to get this. The devil is trying to overcome you. He's trying to defeat you. And Paul says the answer to the attack is to push me to my knees. To bring me to the place where I acquiesce, where I submit, where I declare I need some help from on high. I need a supernatural infusion of Holy Ghost power flowing into my life right here and right now if I'm going to stand against this attack. That's pretty good stuff. Amen. That ought to be a highlight this week, don't you think? That's pretty good stuff. All he did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it, this attack, I didn't think of it as a gift. And begged God to remove it. I did that three times, he said. Three times. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Oh, come on, folks, if you never learn another scripture, if you never memorize another verse, if you never tuck something away in your heart, you need to memorize this one. You need to learn this one, because I'm assuring you that as long as you're breathing air and walking in shoe leather, there is a very real enemy who will try to take you over. And when it does, you need to let him push you to your knees so that you can declare your grace is enough for me. That's all I need. Your grace is enough. You will sustain me. You will strengthen me. You will see me through. And then he goes on to say, my strength, speaking of the Lord, the Lord talking to him, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, Paul said, I was glad to let it happen. See, once he got the right perspective, once he understood, I'm always in a battle. 
There's going to be something in my face all the time. That battle's never going to stop. You say, well, I don't fight. I'm not in a battle. I'm not going to do that. Listen, just because you refuse to fight doesn't mean there's not a battle going on. It just means you're going to lose. That's right. Just means you're going to lose. You've got to get up every morning and put on your big girl pants. And you've got to decide, I'm going to fight the devil tooth and nail. He will not win because his grace is sufficient for me. And that's all I need. And that's all I need. He said, my strength comes to its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. And I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my weakness. And I love verse 10. Remember this. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. That limitations cut me down to size. Whether it's abuse or accident or opposition or bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, oh, come on, hear it. The weaker I get, the weaker I get. I'm telling you, when I can't go in the flesh, the weaker I get. When I don't have an answer, the weaker I get. When the diagnosis is bad, the weaker I get. When there's not enough money in the bank, the weaker I get. When I can't see tomorrow for the dark of today, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. The stronger I become. The stronger I become. Because His grace is all I need. His grace is all I need. Jeremiah said it this way. I referenced earlier. Let me quote it to you. Chapter 18, verse 4. The vessel he was making was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Hallelujah. Father, in this, in this room today, speak to the hearts of your people. In this room today, complete your work that you have already purposed for each and every one of us. Right now, draw sinners to you. Right now, convince those who've stepped back and stepped away it's time to step up. Right now, do your will. Accomplish your plan in your purpose, in every individual in this room today. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. You're here this morning. I prayed for you when I began this message that God would convince you and convict you of your sin and bring you to a place where you'd accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. So right now, this is your opportunity to respond to God. You've been given a gift and that gift is salvation. That gift is forgiveness. That gift is a new life. None of us can go back and start over, but today every one of us can start today and have a new ending. He's offering you a gift. And all you have to do to receive that gift is say, Father, I want Jesus in my life. By raising your hand right now, you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. Across this room this morning, hands are going up. Yes, yes, others, come on. I want Jesus in my life. Lift that hand up and hold it there. Yes, yes, yes. Others, others, across the room this morning, I want Jesus in my life. I want him to forgive me. I want him to cleanse me. I want him to turn me around. As a wait another moment. God's talking to you. Raise that hand. Yes, yes. Someone else. 
Stand your feet with me across this room. Every one of us stand together. All of those who raise their hand right now, I want you to come and receive the gift. Come on, the Father's here. He wants you to receive the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. You raise your hand, come. Meet me right down here. We're going to pray together. Yes, come on. Come on. You want Jesus to come into your life today. You raise your hand, step out and come from wherever you're at across this room. Don't wait for anybody else. There were 10 or 12 of you who raised a hand. Step out and come this morning. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. And God's going to do his good work in your heart and in your life. As we wait just another moment. Will you come? Will you come, Father, right now? In Jesus' name. I pray for all of these who lift up a hand and ask you. Bless you, young man. Thank you for your courage. Others, you raised your hand. You want to come and join this courageous young man. Others, you want to come and join him. Lord, right now, fill them with faith and fill them with courage. Help them to know and understand that God is able to redeem and to forgive. Everybody in the room, pray pray this prayer with me, would you please? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess my sin to you. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my life and change me, to be my Lord and Savior. Let today be a new beginning. Let today mark a new ending in my life. I accept you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. In the name of Jesus. Sister Maggie's right over there. Will you follow her? She's going to pray with you personally and individually. Give you some more information about your decision to follow Christ. All right, church, I was really preaching to you this morning. You know it. God has spoke to you. I don't know what he spoke to you about, but he spoke to you and you need to respond to him. So I'm not going to make this specific. It's general. It's wide open. There's something you need to get straight between you and God, something you need to lay down, something he needs to do in you right now. Come across this room. He's speaking to you. Step out and come across this room. Let God do what God wants to do in your heart and your life today. As we wait a few moments, come this morning and let God begin ministering to you today and proving to you he is able. He is able. Pastor Brittany, begin to lead us. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com. 